Well, this morning, I want to talk with you about the missionary task. What is it that missionaries are called to do? How does it look? I think it's really vital that we understand this because as we look out in the world today, I think that there is some confusion about it. You know, if we see missionaries doing all kinds of things today. And what happens is that sometimes there are good things that our missionaries are doing, but sometimes what can happen is that that, that core task that the missionary is called to do can be drowned by a thousand of good things that a missionary is doing. They are good things. So if you, if you look at what missionaries are doing, sometimes they are feeding the poor or providing free medical care. Maybe they're building church buildings, building schools, building orphanages, building hospitals. They might be flying airplanes. They might be providing education. They might be they might be doing involved in sports, coaching some sort of sports. They might be digging wells. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. And I'm not saying that any of those things are bad things. Those are, those are all good things. But what happens is that sometimes those good things can take the place of gospel things. And we need to make sure that we are focused on the specific task that God has given us And that we understand that all of those things are are fine and good in their place, but the task of missions does not require us necessarily to do some of these things. And so I want to look with you. Let's start in Isaiah chapter 6. This is Isaiah's call to the mission from God. He received a very special call, and I'm not going to look specifically at his vision uh, as he saw God on the throne and, and thunder and, and, and billowing smoke and, and all of that. But we're going to look a little bit further down in this text this morning as God explains to Isaiah his call and what God wants him to do. Because I think that although this is still Old Testament, this is very helpful for us in understanding our call to missions today. And so... Just to give you a little background here, Isaiah sees this vision of God in the temple. And he sees these seraphim, these angelic beings, flying around God and saying, Holy, holy, holy. First, Isaiah kind of freaks out because he realizes that he's not holy and God is holy. He says, Woe is me, I am undone. And then he gets this burning coal to touch his lips or his tongue, his mouth, and it's a sign of his forgiveness. And once he's forgiven and God says, okay, who's going to go for me? Isaiah is ready to go like a a little schoolboy trying to answer the question who knows the answer to the question. He's raising his hand and he says, I will go. Although what's interesting is that Isaiah still does not understand the task. He just knows that God is calling and I am ready and I want to go and serve this God who forgave me my sins. So so Isaiah doesn't quite understand the task. So God explains it to him starting in verse 9 of chapter 6. And he said, Go and say to these people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. 
make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Now that seems at first read like, whoa, what, what is this kind of a task? I'm supposed to blind people and, and make it so they can't hear and so that they won't respond to the gospel? And we'll get into that here in, in just a minute. But notice, first of all, what God says to Isaiah. The first thing he says is, go. There is a going aspect in all missions. It is a vital part of our task. And so God begins by saying, go. And while certainly missions is not about taking a vacation or traveling and seeing the world, there is this aspect where we need to go. And I like this video that was shared here before I got up that talked about this, this is going to be uncomfortable, right? There is an aspect where it is easier to stay at home. It is more comfortable to stay at home. It is easier to talk to the people that we know, to talk to the people whose language we know, than it is to go. And I, I, I look at it like this, you know, you can have all the training, you can know all the right answers, have practiced everything right, but it's sort of like, without going, you're like a lifeguard that just never leaves the beach. Oh, hey, look over there, there's somebody drowning, somebody better do something. You know, you're, you can yell to them, but they probably won't hear it, you can, you can do all of these things, you can even take people who are on the beach and, and teach them about water safety or warn them before they go out in the water, but you're not going to save people as long as you remain on the beach. And too many of us, too often, we are just, we're scared to go. We, we, there's too many what-ifs or I don't know if I could deal with that or it's kind of, Scary for us, these unknown things. But if you think about it in Scripture, there are a lot of examples of God sending people. God likes to send people. In fact, if we look at the example of our faith, who is Abraham in the Old Testament, what did God do with Abraham? Think about it. He took him from his own culture and society and family in Ur, and he said, Go! Go to the promised land. I mean, Isaiah knew little, of, or I mean, Abraham knew little of, of what God was really calling him to at this point, right? And so if you, if you go back to, we won't look at the scripture right now, but Genesis chapter 20, we see that God called Abraham out, or Genesis chapter 12. And when Abraham took that, those steps of leaving his parents' home, the security that he had, I mean, he was in a well-developed culture. He, he probably had financial security there. There were probably many things within that culture that didn't look good that he was leaving his family. But when he made those initial steps out, that was a huge step of faith. And, and so it is with the, with the missionary as well, that in order to go, it, it is always this step of faith that we must have to take. And as long as we sit at home, our faith is not going to be stretched. And if our faith is not stretched, 
our faith is not going to grow. That's, that's just the way it is. And so we see even in Abraham's example that he had to have tremendous faith to listen to God's calling and respond to his calling and go. And I mean, you look at it today and it's, it's so easy. And we just get on an airplane. We kind of even complain about that, you know. We have, I don't know what it is, a 12-hour flight or something from San Francisco to Istanbul. It's like, oh man, it's so long. And you know, my back gets tired. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, think about Abraham traveling through the desert for months or even missionaries 50, 60 years ago. It takes faith to go. And when Abraham left, it was definitely a, a public declaration of his faith in Yahweh, a different God than the God of his, of his fathers. So missionaries are required to go. And that, that's what makes missionaries unique, is, is that they are required to go somewhere. Let's, let's look at the example in the New Testament. If we look at Acts chapter 13, we see this going or this being sent as well. In fact, you know, the, the idea of a missionary is a sent one, literally, right? A sent one. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which uh, for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed, sailed to Cyprus. Do you see how many times it, this pops up? They sent them off. Then, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down. You see, it's like three times here in these couple of verses, we see that this going out or being sent out as the first sort of step in the missionary task. And you might wonder, why, why do we really need to go? Why do we need to go? I think, first of all, there is the personal reason for it. We need to go because it is an expression of our faith. But I think that the also, we need to go because, you know, technology can't do everything. And sometimes we get over-reliant on technology. We think, well, why do we need to go? You know, we could just send videos. And, and I'm a guy that likes to use technology. I, we do videos. We, do, uh, we have our website. And we use it as much as we can. But there is still this aspect that technology can't overcome. And I believe that we need to go because the, the technology can't make disciples. You can learn a lot. You can understand new things. But the disciple-making process that Christ talks about and that Christ exampled is a personal process. And it takes a, a personal relationship and connection so we can't just rely on technology alone to make disciples. It would be wonderful if we could, right? But we can't. And so that is why the Scripture calls us ambassadors. We are called to be ambassadors. That is personal rep representation of Christ. Also, I think that one of the reasons why we need to go is because as we preach the gospel, although preaching the gospel really is the core of our task. Preaching the gospel also, what comes alongside it, 
is ministering to the needs of other people. And technology alone can't really minister to the needs of other people. And so as, I, as we talked to the Sunday school class and we shared about how we began to minister to refugees, you know, we went and we, we opened God's word with them and we shared God's word with them. We shared the gospel with them. We preached them. But you know what? We also ministered to some of their needs. We helped provide some basic clothing needs and food needs and medication, things like that. And so there is an aspect where we need to go because unless we go, we can't really minister to people's needs in that way and, and show the gospel worked out in our lives. Another reason why we need to go is because we need to learn the language and the culture of the society that we're sharing the gospel with. And too often... Christianity has been shipped out as American cultural thing. And it has come into other parts of the world. And you can go to some places, unfortunately, in Africa or South America, and you walk in, it's like, wow, this is like an American service. I mean, they're singing our American hymns, and the order of service is the same. And then you wonder, what are they really doing here? Are they just sort of imprinting American culture? And, and that's a danger. And so that's why it's important for us to go and get there and learn the culture, understand the language, and be able to communicate the gospel effectively in that given culture and setting and context. And then, of course, the final reason why it's so important to go is because God went. I mean, think about that. That's got to blow our minds to think about it. God came to us. He could have written it in the sky. He did write it in a book, right? So he used some technology of that day. But he did not think that that was enough. And he came personally to us. John chapter 1 verses 9 and 11 through 11 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. God came. And if that is not enough reason for us to go to others, I don't know what else I can say. Jesus was and is the ultimate missionary. He is the one who came from God's presence, being God himself. And please read Philippians chapter 2, the first half, to understand how he humbled himself as a human and as a slave and as a criminal and even to death on a cross. That is the ultimate in going as a missionary. So we need to go. We need to go because that is how we express our faith and for a number of other reasons. But the missionary task is more than just about going. If it was just going, then that, would be, that might even be fun, right? But the real core to the missionary task is telling. Telling. 
So, you may have heard this said before, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. And I, I don't, I'm not sure who they attribute that to. I, I, I kind of doubt that it's, it's really accurate historically. But preach the gospel, use words if necessary. You know, it's kind of like saying, feed the hungry, use food if necessary. It doesn't make a lick of sense. The gospel is words. You have to use words. Yes, we're not saying go ahead and live a sinful life and preach the gospel. Of course you shouldn't do that. Don't be an idiot. But preach the gospel with words because that's what it is. So telling is, is, is the central aspect of being a missionary. And that is, is, is why God says here, say to this people, go and say to this people. And we see it in Isaiah's calling as, as so central that he needs to be telling this message. Romans 10 in the New Testament probably helps us understand how these two things are connected together better than any passage. Romans 10 verses 13 and 15 where Paul says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. So do you see that connection? People need to believe. They can't believe unless they hear. They can't hear unless someone preaches. And someone can't preach unless they're sent. And it's all necessary in the task of a missionary. The sending, the going, and then the speaking and the telling. So please, don't lose focus of this central assignment of, of every missionary and, and every Christian, really. We are sent to deliver a message we are sent to deliver truth to a dying world. At the core, we're storytellers. We proclaim news. We communicate truth. Above all, the missionary must concern himself with the communication of God's revelation. So, that means words of truth, of salvation, and faith must flow fearlessly and flawlessly and frequently from our lips. And let me say this, as we think about the task of communicating the gospel, don't allow yourself to become comfortable with a superficial understanding of the gospel. And, and I want to be careful here as I, as I say this, but because I do believe that the gospel is simple. It is simple, but it is not simplistic. It is simple, but it is rich. It can be understood by a child, but it is deep. And I think that one reason that so many Christians share the gospel so little is because they understand so little of it. 
Think about it. Think about a storyteller. A storyteller doesn't just regurgitate dry facts or some sort of a memorized thing. A storyteller is someone who lives out the story that he's telling as he tells it. You feel it. You hear it. You experience it as he shares with you the story. And it almost becomes part of who he is as it comes out and flows out naturally from him. The gospel, friends, is, is deep and rich and amazing. And we forget that sometimes as we share the gospel. Look how Paul describes the gospel in two places. Romans eleven thirty three. He says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable are His ways. Listen, we are to communicate God to people. If we are to communicate, I mean, God, the gospel is about God. The gospel isn't just some sort of memorized little thing. The gospel is about the truth of who God is, who you are, and how we stand before Him. And so unless we understand that, unless we can communicate that from the depth of our being, we're not doing a good job telling. Or for instance, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, To me... Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles. This is Paul's description of the gospel. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you understand that this gospel is so big and rich and wide and deep that we have yet to fully comprehend its riches? And that's a story to tell. That is a story to tell. In fact, if we look back at the book of Isaiah, what I love about the book of Isaiah, and this whole passage in Isaiah chapter 6 was foundational to me understanding and realizing my call as a missionary, but what I love about the book of Isaiah is it is so rich and deep in its vocabulary, in its poetry, in its prose. Isaiah is not the longest book in the Bible, but it contains the richest vocabulary in the Bible. Much of it is poetry. I mean, Isaiah put his life, his passion into, these, into the words there. And when, when I was studying in, in seminary, we went through many of these passages in Hebrew. And it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is passionate. At times, Isaiah writes with tenderness. At times, he writes with righteous indignation. At times, he writes with awe. At times, he writes with fear before God. At times, he writes with joy and hope. And friends, this is how we should communicate the gospel. This is how it should sound and look when it comes from our lips. Don't belittle the gospel. Let the gospel be the power of God as you speak it and as you communicate it. Stop thinking of it as some sort of a cute phrase or just a particular arrangement of words. Stop thinking of it as a ticket to heaven or a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's so much more than that. The gospel is the power of God. It is that life-transforming power 
that renews the heart, that, that enlightens the eyes, that gives hope, that breaks curses, that forgives sins, and it is the work of God Almighty first in us. And unless you can see that work, you're going to have a hard time communicating that work. So, you can take classes and go to seminars and get different material and learn different methods and approaches. And there's, there's, there's good reason for, for those things as, as we talk about the gospel. But what I have found is that the main reason that we are so apathetic in sharing the gospel and the, be, be, is, is simply because we have failed to really deepen in the gospel ourselves and to believe it at the core of our being. And what I, what I have found is that if the gospel does not flow naturally from my lips, it is because the gospel is not sufficiently in my heart. Because whether you want to or not, whatever is in your heart, you will share with others. And so if you want to share the gospel, sometimes it's not about learning a new technique or method or approach. It is about implanting the gospel so deep and so powerfully in your heart that you cannot be stopped from sharing it. Become like Paul and say with him, for to me, to live is Christ. You remember? He says that in Philippians chapter 1. For me to live is Christ. And where was he? He was in jail. A place that everyone said, oh my goodness, Paul's ministry is over now. I mean, what can you do from a jail cell? And he tells the Philippians, hey, guess what? The whole praetorium knows. The whole guard knows. Everybody knows about Christ since I got here. You couldn't stop that guy from sharing the gospel. Of course, when we talk about the task of telling... It's important that we know, that we believe, that we live it, so that we can communicate it. But specifically when we talk about missions, it's also important that we learn language. Now, this is just a real practical thing, but if our responsibility is, is innately connected with the idea of language, God used language to communicate the gospel. He uses language in His Word to communicate. It is God's primary method of communication. Then as missionaries, we have to be so focused upon learning the language of wherever we are. Language is vital. And we should not think that it's okay to do everything through translators. We should not become sort of okay with, with our language mistakes. We need to learn language as well. Because it is, it is related so foundationally to our task. And I found that the successful missionaries are those missionaries who never grow content with their progress in the language. And it might be 20 years or 30 years, but they are always learning the language because they have a passion to communicate. And that passion, they might not be the best language speakers, they might not be the best language learners, but they are learning it because they want to communicate the truth that they have learned. And, you know, this applies also to 
do you guys hear? There's a language and a culture around you here. There might be people that speak English, but they do it in a different way or they have a different culture. Learn those subcultures. Take time to get out of your comfort zone so that you can learn how to communicate to people who might not share your same culture and your same worldview. The gospel ought to push us to understand how others communicate, to understand how others see the world around them. And with that understanding, take it and then pinpoint how to most effectively communicate the gospel message of truth to that person in their language, in their culture, with their understandings and their misunderstandings. Don't just take a a rote thing and say, well, that will just give it to everyone and assume that everyone's going to understand it because they won't. The missionary task is one of, of telling good news. That was Isaiah's task, too. I mean, he, he had to go out and, and speak, right? But God gave a, a very interesting description of how people were going to respond. He says, keep doing it until they don't see and they don't hear. And I think God is being a little bit facetious here and saying, listen, there are going to be a lot of people that are going to listen but not listen. There's going to be a lot of people who will hear, but they will not believe. But you keep preaching. You don't stop. Don't let that discourage you. And and that that really brings me to the final task of, of the missionary here, and it is faithfulness, if you can call that a task. We must persevere. We need to go. We need to tell. And we need to persevere in that task. And I think it's important that we remember this as as a task because too often we give up too early. And so here in in Isaiah 6 and 9, these people will keep on hearing and not understand, seeing but not perceiving. The heart of this people will be dull and their ears heavy and he'll blind their eyes. And I think that this this tells us this is going to typify many ministries. And it's important for us to to realize that. That the the mission task is not about several days or, or several months. It is about years and decades. And one thing that we have to appreciate about Isaiah himself here is that Isaiah probably had the longest ongoing ministry of any prophet in the Old Testament. We don't know exactly how long, but he mentions a whole line of kings starting from Uzziah down to, I can't remember who it was, but whole line of kings. And it's possible that he could have ministered 50, maybe even 60 years. And here's the thing, not a lot of people responded positively to Isaiah's preaching. It had to be disheartening. It had to be discouraging. But I think that is why God gives him this calling here. It says, listen, not 
that many people will hear you, but there will be this remnant. There will be this, he calls it a stump a little bit later there, that will be left. And Isaiah thought that it was worth it to preach the gospel faithfully, to preach and prophesy and be God's ambassador for for decades just because he knew that there was going to be this handful of people that will respond. And and, and please, if, if you are a missionary or an evangelist, don't be discouraged if you don't see people coming forward like they do at a Billy Graham outreach. Don't be. Because even look at the words of Isaiah here. I mean, Isaiah left for us this, this amazing literature, this amazing truth about God. We find so much prophecy about the Messiah, gospel truth in Isaiah. And I bet you more people have come to faith just through reading Isaiah than Isaiah would ever imagine. And I think we need to keep that in mind as, as missionaries. Our job is to be faithful. Our job is to persevere. Our job is to be faithful to the God who gave us the task. And if we can do that, then we must trust God to do the rest. Because after all, it is God that changes hearts. It is God that gives new life. And so again, there's this aspect of trusting God as we persevere, as we faithfully preach the gospel day after day and month after month and year after year, not giving up because we know that God is at work even when it's hard, even when it doesn't look like it. We know that God is at work and that, friends, is stretching for your faith. But it is also rewarding, especially when you see those Several come, come to Christ and put their faith in Him. So as we think about the gospel task this morning, I think that it's important that we remember that it's it's really a simple task. And although we might do many other things as as missionaries or as evangelists, it it really is boiled down to just a couple of things. We, We need to go, even though it might be uncomfortable, even though it might be dangerous, even though it might be hard work, even though we might have to leave loved ones. We need to go. We need to tell. And in order to tell, we ourselves have to know and live and understand and be in awe of the gospel. And we need to be faithful in the task.